I'd like to welcome you to Connection Point. Welcome those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I serve as lead pastors of Connection Point Church. So glad you're here today. Uh, What a great day to to celebrate the lives of those that that impact so many. Um, But yet at the same time, I also know that when when you say Happy Mother's Day, different people have uh, different takeaways. And and so this morning, I thought I'd define that. You know, that when I say Happy Mother's Day, uh, this is what I mean. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. We've got some of those. What an incredible thing. Of course, you're probably without sleep, but you've got a child. Um, But we do celebrate with you. But yet also to those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day, wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. Uh, It's a challenge to raise little ones. To those who experience loss or miscarriage, failed adoptions or, or running away, we ache with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, Brought with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. And forgive us when we say foolish things. Uh, we don't mean to make, th- make things harder. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, oh, do we need you. Man, we need spiritual moms today. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. Thank God for that. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, or simply to those who have lost their mothers, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood. In case you didn't know, moms get tested. We're so much better for you being in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married, mothering your own children, we agonize that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on those complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we lament with you. And to those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we both grieve and rejoice with you. (laughs) Such a mix of emotions. Uh, To those who have placed children for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. So happy Mother's Day, wherever you find yourself in your walk of life today. Um, Because we do want to to celebrate women in a unique way today. Uh, I was reflecting on, you know, I've got a mom, of course, and Shelly's the mother of our three kids. And and it's interesting to reflect upon motherhood. Uh, Shelly and I, what we're doing, we thought we'd flip places this year, and so she's going to share on Father's Day. Um, so I've been tasked to share on Mother's Day. God help me. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best not to mess that up. Um, no pressure. But man, what a day to, to be able to look at the impact that a uh, mother's life makes. You know, when you look at the life of a mom, you can at times feel hidden out of sight. Uh, You might even wonder if uh, other people know that you're there. You feel invisible. You can wonder if your life is making any kind of difference at all, and that could be whether you're a working mom, a stay-at-home mom, or a single mom. You have that question in the back of your mind, and and so what I want to do is encourage you this morning that your life is making a profound difference now and for generations to come. It really is. I think sometimes we're too nearsighted 
with the life that we're living and the impact that it's making. And so I want to expand your horizons today. If you're living for God and leading others in the same, you're changing the course of history. I think we take that too lightly. And so here's what I'm saying. You're, you're likely thinking too small about your life, not realizing the immense impact your life is making by being faithful to God and teaching others to love him too. And so I actually want to extend that message out. We're going to talk about mothers, but all of us can live a life of legacy. So all of us should have a takeaway today. So then the question is, how do we do that? And so the way that I'd like to highlight that this morning is to look at the life of a rather obscure mother in Scripture to help us see the dramatic impact that our lives can have in the world. So if you have your Bibles this morning, hey, I hope you've got a Bible. Uh, We're going to be turning to Old Testament today, Genesis chapter 29. So I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word today. And we just want to highlight the effect that your life can have on the world, that you can leave a legacy. And so we're going to find that in Genesis chapter 29. It will help us go down this road in conversation. We're going to read verses 16 through 30 this morning. So starting in verse 16, it says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel. And he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter, Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. (laughs) What an interesting scripture. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, "It's, it's not so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. These are the very words of God. May be seated this morning. So what we're going to find this morning is that the story of Leah, who we've opened up with today, It can be found in Genesis 29 to 49, so 20 chapters of the book of the Bible. But her legacy actually plays out all throughout the Bible. It's an incredible legacy. Uh, Dr. George Wood, former superintendent of the Assemblies of God, he's the one that highlighted, at least shed some light on this for me, and I thought, man, what a great thing to enter into today as we talk about just a mother's legacy. So I'm going to share some of uh, those thoughts with you today. And the first thing we find regarding Leah's life is this that you can leave a legacy by enduring hardship. You can leave a legacy by enduring hardship. And when you look at Leah's life, you can see how the description for her name, because in Hebrew, her name means weary or tired. Leah, that's her name. And when you look at scripture, you can see how this was a fitting description for her. Uh, I was thinking about that in the context of young moms. Like, that is a great description for you. Weary and tired. 
like you open up Google, you're like, define weary and tired. Out comes a picture of a young mom. You know, it's just like, that's it. But so the question is, well, what made Leah so weary and tired? How did that define her life? And so you look at Genesis 29, it says that Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. So right away, there's this comparison taking place, and, and sometimes comparisons can, can make you tired. That's how it is for many of us. You know, we think that someone else is better, more attractive, or we think they have a more fun personality. Someone else has better behaved children. That's a big one, like, why can't my kids sit down like those kids? What did they do? What did they drug them with before they came? Can I get some? You know, like, you start asking those questions. You, you start looking at people's life and think, man, they've got better health. They see greater results in life, and, and so we start making comparisons, and we get depressed. It can make you tired. And why do we do that? Because we're nearsighted in the way that we see our lives. We're not seeing the bigger picture of the way that your life fits into a, a bigger story that's unfolding in the world today. Many of us have weak eyes. We talk about Leah had weak eyes. We sometimes have weak eyes in the way that we see our lives and the impact that they're making. You know, so for Jacob... For Rachel, it was love at first sight. He agrees to work for seven years for her. Seven years, that's a commitment. That's some serious love. But Laban tricks Jacob and he gives him Leah instead. So the question is, how did this happen? Uh, what in the world was going on? There's a number of reasons I can give. Number one is there's no electricity. So when they've got their wedding, she enters into that tent, it's pretty dark, and she's veiled. So between her veiling and the darkness, all of a sudden the morning light, the sun comes up and Jacob's like, behold, it was Leah. Like what happened? So Jacob rushes out of the tent and he confronts Laban. Laban says, okay, I'll, I'll give you Rachel if you'll serve me another seven years, but you have to first finish the wedding week with Leah. How do you think Leah felt? She'd been forced through custom to obey her father. She'd given herself to Jacob and then has to endure two indignities. Jacob didn't want her. And one week after their marriage, he takes up with Leah's younger sister in the second marriage. And what does Leah do? She, she stands by and watches it happen. I mean, it says, so Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. That's a hard scripture. I would imagine Leah is a very hurt, shamed, and depressed young woman crying alone in her tent, suffering the pain of a father who traded her in rejection from the man that she had married. Let me ask, does life seem fair for Leah? Absolutely not. The circumstances in Leah's life, they were not within her control. Her looks were against her. Her younger sister was more captivating. Her husband had sex with her, and he didn't love her. Leah's life doesn't seem fair. And I want to pause here to say you could be wondering, where in the world is this Mother's Day message going right now? <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, stay with me. This gets a lot better, but I've got to set the table first. Where we're headed is really neat, I promise you. What I would need you to know, though, is your life can leave a legacy. That's the encouragement. Your life can leave a legacy. But I also would be lying if I didn't tell you somewhere along the way, you very well may experience some hardship. So my, my challenge for you in this part is, is can you keep your trust in God when things aren't easy? Can you trust in his goodness, his love, his sovereignty when things aren't going your way? Because if you want to leave a legacy, you've got to trust that God is faithful. And it also means that you've got to be faithful too. 
So you've got to walk in humility and be faithful to God. And that, that leads me to the second point this morning, which is that you can leave a legacy by remaining faithful. You can leave a legacy by remaining faithful. Rachel's infertile. And after a while, Jacob turns to Leah. And so Leah becomes pregnant and she gave uh, birth to a boy whose name Reuben means behold a son. So Leah expresses the essence of this name in this way. Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. You need to understand, having a son in the Middle East, that's where they're at. That's a big deal. It defines who you are, especially in the life of a dad. So because we had Nate, our oldest son, my life, instead of being called Zach, my name was Abu Nate, the father of Nate. So it's a big deal to have a boy in the Middle East. And so this is what Leah is expressing here. But what happens? Jacob still didn't love Leah. And so she conceives again. And this time she bears a second son, Simeon, whose name means heard. And here's how she explains his name. Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he's given me this son also. The only thing better than one son is two sons. So she's thinking, the Lord is watching out for me. But she's still not loved after giving birth to two sons. And so she conceives again. This time she bore Levi, whose name means attached. And here's what she says. Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I've bore him three sons. But this doesn't work either. So by the time her fourth son is born, she seems to have given up on Jacob's love. And I love this. She just names him Judah, which means praise. Here's what she says. This time I will praise the Lord. So she knows a God who's faithful. And she's saying, God, I put my trust in you. Things don't seem right in my life, but I know that you're faithful, so I'm going to praise your name. Every time a son is born, she refers to the Lord. Her circumstances may have brought her misery and lack of family love, but her view of God is one of trust. She's like a female Job who said, though he slay me, though I will trust in him. I tell you what, we could use a lot more Leahs in the church today who say, God, you are faithful. No matter what comes in my life, I'm going to be faithful to you too. Leah is an incredible person of faith. In fact, here's an example. If you keep reading the story of Leah, you'll, you'll find that as they are going to move to Haran, Rachel, the younger sister, she takes her father's idols with them. Does Leah? Nope. She makes no contingency plan. She puts her faith in the God who can be trusted and says, God, I'm going to be faithful to you. Leah's love for the one true God is unadulterated. Leah's an incredible person of faith. After the fourth son is born to Leah, Rachel gets so upset, she gives Jacob her servant Bilhah, and two sons are born, Dan and Naphtali. Well, not to be outdone, Leah, who can't seem to have any more kids at the moment, she gives Jacob her servant Zilpah, to whom two more sons are born, Gad and Asher. And if you haven't read through that story, things at this point are getting a little bit crazy. You ever read the stories that way? Like, what in the world is going on here? It's nuts. Well, then it seems like Leah can have children again, so she bears two more sons, Issachar and Zebulon, and a daughter, Dinah. And then finally, Rachel has Joseph, but then she dies in childbirth in Bethlehem, bearing Jacob, his 12th son, Benjamin. Leah outlives Rachel, and we're not told when Leah died, but what we do know is this. We find in, in Genesis 49 that we find out where Leah was buried, 
So we've got Jerusalem. If you look on the middle track of Israel, you've got this mountain region. You've got Jerusalem and then Bethlehem, and you go a little bit further south, and you've got Hebron. And Hebron is the cave of Machpelah, the tomb of the patriarchs. It's where Abraham and Sarah were buried. Isaac, um, Isaac and Rebekah. And so where does Jacob bury Leah? In that tomb. And Jacob, at the end of his life, where does he say he wants to be buried? Not with Rachel in Bethlehem, but with Leah in Hebron. At the end of her days, Leah has won over Jacob's love. But we could still look at her life and say it was really unfair to her. Her father forced her into marriage. Her sister resented her. Her husband did not begin to love her until late. Yet Leah's story teaches us the effect of your life. It cannot be measured within the time span of the few decades you're here on earth. Here's part of our takeaway today. Leah's story, like all of ours, it fits into a long-range tapestry of a story that God is weaving for each and every one of our lives. You can leave a legacy. How can you do it? By enduring hardship, by saying, God, you're good, and I'm going to be faithful to you. You're, you're faithful to God. You walk in humility so that you can be a part of God's story. So now I want to get to the place where this is the encouraging part of Mother's Day to say, man, Leah walked through some hardship, but watched to see the legacy. Her third son, what was his name? It was Levi. What do we know of Levi? The Levites, the priestly class, came out of this son. So think about people that came out of there. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. So without Leah, think about this. There's no Levi, no Moses, no first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The text we read today wouldn't even be there. No Ten Commandments, no Exodus from Egypt. Holy cow, folks. Like, I could stop there. Leah lived, lived an incredible legacy. Am I not right? Let's keep going, though. It's, it's amazing to see the impact this woman's life made. Leah's descendant, Caleb. So Caleb, one of those spies that went into the promised land, he's from Leah. And after he'd wandered for 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience for the Israelites, at the age of 85, 45 years after Israel's failure to enter the promised land, here's what Caleb says. This can be found in uh, Joshua. He says, I'm still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke to me. Man, we need some 85-year-old Caleb's in God's house today. What incredible tenacity. And where does he get that from? From Leah. I think Caleb had that same spiritual genetic makeup and tenacity to never give up, to never give in, never sit down in self-pity or self-centeredness, resignation, or defeat. We need those kind of believers today. And centuries later, let's keep going. The elders of Bethlehem pronounce a blessing on Boaz, another one of Leah's descendants. Boaz becomes the great-grandfather of King David. Uh, on the day that Boaz redeems Ruth for his bride, the elders say to him, here's what I really find unique. May the Lord make this woman Ruth, who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. But when you look at their lives, Leah did a lot more to build up the house of Israel than Rachel did. And now we also know it was Leah's fourth son, who became the ancestor of King David and King Solomon. Without Leah, we have no Judah. Without Judah, we have no Boaz, David, or Solomon. Without David or Solomon, we don't have Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Songs, or Ecclesiastes. Are you seeing how much of the Old Testament was affected by this one woman's life? 
It's amazing. From Leah comes not only all the high priests, priests and Levites of Israel, but also the kings of Judah, including Asa, Jehoshaphat, Uzziah, Hezekiah, and Josiah, all of them descendants of Leah. And Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all appear to be priests, so they would have come from Leah as well. Ezra, the scribe, was a priest from Leah. Nehemiah, in all probability, was from Judah, so another descendant of Leah. Can you see how much of the Old Testament was affected by this mother's legacy? The key players, let's move to the New Testament. In the Christmas story, they derive from Leah. Mary and Joseph, they belong to Judah, the fourth son of Leah. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they belong to Levi, the third son of Leah. Their son, John the Baptist, obviously comes from that line as well. Anna, the old woman in the temple, who gave thanks to God upon seeing the baby Jesus and spoke of him to all who would come looking for the redemption of Israel. She came from the tribe of Asher. Asher came from Leah through uh, her servant Zilpah. The land of Zebulon, the sixth and last son of Leah, included Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. And Nazareth was among the first who saw the great light shining in the darkness. So basically what I'm saying is without Leah, there's no Judah. Without Judah, there's no David. Without David, there's no Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. Leah's impact is incredible. Absolutely incredible. The people of the Christmas story are mainly Leah's kids. Without Leah, we can't sing joy to the world for the Lord has come. We're way too nearsighted in the effect of our lives on God's unfolding story. The spread of the gospel, let's keep going, to the Gentiles, also comes through another of Leah's descendants, Barnabas, a descendant of Levi. And I want to ask this question, who do you think raised Benjamin? Rachel dies, who's going to raise Benjamin? Leah's going to take her in as one of her own and raise Benjamin. And who comes from Benjamin? King Saul and the Apostle Paul. Look at how many books came from Leah. Old Testament, New Testament. A mother's legacy is profound. You cannot measure the impact of Leah's life within her earthly time span. And you can't measure your life that way either. And and neither can you judge things on external appearances. Let's look at that. Rachel was the beautiful one outwardly, but God looks deeper than outward appearance. Leah had inner beauty that the scheming, bitter, and envious Rachel did not have theologian, he puts it this way, that there are two kinds of beauty, a beauty which God gives at birth and which withers as a flower, and there is a beauty which God grants. This kind of beauty never vanishes, but blooms eternally. What kind of beauty do you want to go after today? Leah had the beauty that never withered. So what can we take away from Leah's story? Here it is. We need time and distance to understand what God is doing through our lives. We need time and distance to understand what God is doing through your life. And most of all, when you think about Leah, she would have never understood the impact that her life was going to make on all of creation. And it was profound. She would have had no idea the Savior of the world on the human side ultimately would descend from her DNA. Your life matters. You're leaving a legacy. You matter to God. You matter to your family. You matter to this church. What kind of legacy are you leaving? And maybe you're in a place this morning where you're struggling right now. Like Leah, you've done your best, but life is not as complete as you wished it to be. But don't lose heart. You haven't lived long enough to see the rest of the story. People in your ancestral line probably went through some very tough days, but you're here today because of them. 
The choices you make in your life will impact others long after you're gone. So how do you leave a legacy? You endure hardship by trusting in God's sovereignty, his goodness, and his love. You're faithful to him because he's going to be faithful to you. As you do those things, then you get to live in God's story and you make an incredible legacy with your life. You leave a legacy, here's the short end of it, by investing in people because that's the legacy that you can leave behind. I'm going to invite the music team to come as we close in song this morning. And I want to close with a a quote from Forrest Whitcraft who says, A hundred years from now, it won't matter what your bank account was, the sort of house that you lived in, kind of car you drove. But moms, the world will be different because you were important in the life of a child. And I want to mention here too, knowing there are some in this room who maybe haven't been able to have children of your own. But man, do we have kids that really need some spiritual mothers. We've got so many kids right across Main Street that need spiritual mothers impacting their lives. What do you think about Leah with, with Benjamin? What kind of son did she raise as a spiritual mom for that boy? And you can make that impact as well. Invest in the next generation. They need godly women in their lives. You have one life, and it will pass. And only what's done for Jesus will last. So leave a legacy with your life. Be faithful to God and watch as you lead others in the same. I invite you to stand as we close in song this morning. And as we close today, maybe you're here in this this room today and you realize, well, I don't know that I'm going to leave a legacy with my life. Because that legacy starts with you making a decision to say, God, I want to follow you with everything that I am. You've got to start there. So maybe you're here today and you say, I I don't know that I'll leave a legacy because I've not been following God, but you'd say, but I want to make the decision to do that today. So with every head bowed in this room today, I just want to ask, if you're here today and you'd say, I want to leave a legacy with my life, and I know that that starts by making a decision to follow Jesus. If you want to raise your hand, I just want to pray with you before we leave from this space today, that you could say, God, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life so that I can leave a legacy. Anybody that's here today would say, that's me. I want to follow God today. Over here on the left, anybody else that would say, that's me, God. I want to leave a legacy with my life. God, we just thank you for sending your son. God, I thank you for people like Leah that we can look at and see the tremendous, tremendous legacy that she left. That we, through our human eyes, might see a life of hardship, but you and the story that you're weaving, Father, with all of our lives are doing an incredible work. So I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be a part of it. Help us to see our lives through your eyes. God, I just pray for the individual that raised their hand this morning, maybe others in this room that that really know they need to make a decision to follow you, God. I just pray, Jesus, that you'd equip them to live well in your name. I pray, Jesus, that you'd give them strength to live for you each and every day, to walk in humility, to be faithful to you, that their lives might leave a legacy too. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark, our youth pastor, to the front as we close in song this morning. If you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but say, I, I need to know how I can follow Jesus and to, and to follow him in that way. I just want you to be able to come and talk with Pastor Mark. We just want to give you a Bible and say, here's what it looks like to follow Jesus for a lifetime. We don't want to leave you with just that decision, but to say, journey with Jesus for a lifetime. And we want to come alongside you in that endeavor. So as we close in song, if that's where you find yourself this morning, please come talk with Pastor Mark and and we'll pray with you about that decision this morning. But otherwise, let's sing.